As abortion activists firebomb pro-life offices and pregnancy centers in Wisconsin, in Oregon, in Maryland, and elsewhere around the country, the White House is continuing to insist that the pro-abortion protests have been peaceful and should continue even when they take place at judges' homes. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. And that's the president's position. I actually cannot quite believe what she is saying here. Is Jen Psaki saying that the White House is encouraging the protests outside the Supreme Court justices' homes, meaning the protests that are occurring at those homes? Or is she saying that the White House is encouraging protests outside of meaning other than or except for the ones at the judges' homes. I hope it's the latter. I've been trying to figure out how to make it be the latter, but I just don't think it is. I don't think it is because the other day when Saki was asked directly about the very same protests, she refused to condemn them. She said that the, she doesn't have an official government position on where people protest. I don't think she is saying except for the judges' homes because today she's still pretending that the pro-abortion protests are peaceful despite the graffiti and the arson around the country, despite the shrieking mobs outside of the justices' homes where their children sleep. I don't think that it's the latter. I don't think she's saying don't go to the judges' homes because the protests at judges' homes are to influence their decision in this case are in violation of federal law, and the White House won't say anything about that. I don't believe that Jen Psaki is condemning these protests, because when BLM was burning the country down, senior officials in this administration were raising money to bail out the rioters. The left is right about one thing in this whole mess. They are right that we are witnessing a constitutional crisis. Not because the Supreme Court might overrule a terrible decision from the 1970s, but a constitutional crisis because the executive branch is waging war on the judiciary. The left is willing to tear down the most fundamental aspects of our system of government to defend the killing of babies. And they're not even hiding it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Jeremiah Shoemaker, who says, I've been boycotting Target since they publicly announced in 2015-ish that you can use whichever bathroom you identify with, that the boys can go to the girls' room there. I wholeheartedly agree with the new policy Michael is suggesting. I have a name for it, the Standards and Norms Expression Act, or the SANE Act. Like if you agree, in the meantime, I will continue to not shop at Target. That is such a great idea. This is something that the, the left convinced the conservatives of in the 60s and 70s, and then some conservatives, especially more on the individualist-minded side of the, the right, they really ran with this, and they said, you're not allowed to have any norms. You're not allowed to have any standards. Just it's Every man can do whatever he pleases at all times. That's not true. That's never been true in American history. We have not only individual rights, but political rights, rights as a political community to say, no, don't trans the kids. No, don't let the grown men go into the little girl's bathroom. No, no, no. We actually have the right to enforce some sanity. I love your idea for legislation. You know what else I love? Rockauto.com. 
Right now, go to rockauto.com, enter Knowles in their how did you hear about us box. You know how much I love Rock Auto for a whole lot of reasons. One, you're not going to get a better price anywhere. Two, they got the same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Three, they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Four, I guess this really should be number one. They've supported this show for a long, long time. This is a really great company, not afraid to stick by this show and uh, stand by good patriotic American values. Uh, But Number five, Rock Auto is so simple to navigate, even I can do it, okay? They know their product. They're not selling you stuff they don't know anything about. You go to their website. You get whatever you need for your car or truck, whether you're a pro, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer. Head on over right now to rockauto.com. Get the brakes, shocks, carpet, wipers, headlights, mirrors, mufflers, lug nuts, or any other parts you need. You could save 20, 30, 50% off on these products over the brick-and-mortar store. Then write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. The left is saying the quiet part out loud, specifically the pro-abortion left, where there's really not a distinction these days. It used to be that you could be on the left but oppose abortion. I think that's pretty much gone by the wayside. It certainly used to be that you could be a Democrat and oppose abortion. That's been gone now. It, it seems almost entirely gone, and it's, it's been extremely unpopular for 30 years, really starting with Mario Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo's father, when he was governor of New York. He invented this idea of, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but politically I support it, which doesn't make any sense at all. If you think it's murder, then it should be illegal. If you don't think it's murder, then why do you oppose it? If it's just like taking your appendix out, then who cares? It's not a big deal. It, it was always in, incoherent. So, so I use these for the left or the Democrats or the pro, pro-abortion activists. Today, 99.9% of the time, they all refer to the same group of people. And they are saying the quiet part out loud, okay? When Jen Psaki comes out and, and she says, yeah, I, I, we encourage protests outside of judges' homes. She's, she's saying what we already knew the, the White House believed. If she misspoke, I hope she clarifies it today, but I don't think she did because the, in, in practice, the White House has been encouraging all of these protests. So I'm not surprised that she says, yes, we're encouraging them. Janet Yellen, who is the treasury secretary for Joe Biden, she, she came out and voiced her opinion on abortion. Seems kind of crazy, right? Who cares what the treasury secretary has to say about constitutional law and the bioethical question of abortion? Who cares? Well, Janet Yellen cares. And actually she exposes one of the reasons why corporate America, the kind of big corporate establishment is so gung-ho on supporting their employees to go travel out of state to get an abortion, to support, to oppose the overrule of Roe versus Wade. Janet Yellen makes the argument that if we, if we have fewer abortions, we're not going to make as much money. I believe that eliminating the right of women to make decisions about when and whether to have children would have very damaging effects um, on the economy and would set women back decades. Roe v. Wade and access to reproductive health care, including abortion, helped lead to increased labor force participation. It enabled uh, many women to finish school. That increased their earning potential. It allowed women to plan and balance their families and careers. And research also shows that it had a favorable impact on the well-being and earnings um, of, of children. If I wrote a script about the pro-abortion side and I 
I just wrote exactly what Janet Yellen just said, her argument for more abortion, and I turned it into a producer in Hollywood. They would reject the script for it being too cartoonishly villainous. They would reject it probably because of the politics of the script too, but they would reject it because of the writing, because what she just said is, is such a caricature of an evil villain to say, well, it is my opinion that we need to continue to kill 875,000 babies a year because if we kill fewer of those babies, we might not make as much money and then we won't be able to buy as much stuff and then we won't have lots of fun toys and jewelry and gems and gold and money. We have to kill the babies so we can have more money. That is my reasoned opinion as the treasury secretary. And then just when you think she's going to start making some other kind of, that's her primary argument. Well, okay. Then she talks about the effect on women. Maybe she's just an ideological leftist too. She says, it's really important for women's well-being in the labor force in the labor force, for women's well-being in their earnings potential. So it's just about money. You're saying we need to sacrifice our babies so that we can make more money. I think that's a bad deal. I don't think we should do that. I'm willing to diminish the GDP of the United States if it means we don't slaughter upwards of a million babies a year. Call me crazy. Call me old-fashioned. That's not even old-fashioned. Every evil pagan tribe in the history of the world has has practiced human sacrifice to try to grow their riches. Okay, and, and the United States right now, with this woman as the Treasury Secretary, with this government that we've got in place, is doing exactly the same thing. And they they probably don't even see it. They think that they're they're really fancy and sophisticated and modern, and they just understand things. No, they're doing the same damn thing that awful tribes have done for all of human history: sacrifice their kids to Moloch so that they can so, sacrifice their kids to Mammon really mammon, and, and so that they can have more stuff. I think that's a bad, I think it's pretty evil when you really think about it, don't you? I think it is, but they're saying, the they used to mean that, but they wouldn't say that. And it really throws this into perspective. Why is Amazon paying for their employees to go out of state to get abortions? Because it helps their bottom line, because it helps Amazon make more money. Beyond the woke takeover of Amazon or the woke people at Tesla, Tesla's got the same policy. I'm sure a lot of other corporations are going to have the same policy. Beyond the, the wild ideological takeover, it, there's a cold, hard cash capitalist element here too, which is they want to make more money. Kids are expensive. They cause women to not work as hard. They cause women to take a lot of time off from work. They cause women to be less reliable in the workplace because maybe little Johnny gets sick one day and they're not able to come to that meeting on Tuesday. And so if you kill the kid, then, it, then it, you've got a much more reliable workforce. Then you get much more man hours out of them. It'll, it'll really increase labor participation. That's literally what the treasury secretary said. It's evil. <laughs> it is... I don't throw that word around lightly. It is evil. It is hideous. It is inhumane. But it's the argument that they are making explicitly. Elizabeth Warren, Laya Watha, is really angry too. Boy, oh boy, is she angry. Her fingers are just itching for the tomahawk right now. Elizabeth Warren says that she is going to fight back. Tweeted out yesterday, I'm angry about the potential overrule of Roe. And I've got a plan to fight back. She's fighting babies, by the way. This is <laughs> what, what does it mean to fight back against reducing the number of abortions in America? You, what is the object of your fighting? The object is the babies who get to live. <laughs> War in 2024. Let's fight babies. I've got a plan to put those babies in their place. 
And she says it. She's saying the quiet part out loud. She's got an op-ed in Marie Claire, a woman's magazine, that I hope Elizabeth Warren did not write. I've always thought Elizabeth Warren is wrong and radical, but at least reasonably intelligent. This column that Warren wrote, defending Roe v. Wade and pushing abortion, this might be the single dumbest column I have ever read. Now, this, this column that Elizabeth Warren wrote, this is not an important document. One very important document is my will. And that's why you've got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles. Do you know what I did last week? I put the finishing touches on my will. It's sort of a morbid thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do. Think about this. You've got your possessions. You've got maybe a house. Maybe you got a car. You've got your children. You, and you need to know what's going to happen to all those things, especially the kids, after you go. Okay, we hope that nothing bad happens in any untimely way, but you've got to be prepared. Okay, you've got to do the responsible thing. Otherwise, you're going to have no say in what happens to your stuff, your property, and your children, your family, your most important asset. Well, we're going to make it super easy for you, epicwill.com. You go to epicwill.com, you use promo code Knowles, you can get a will really, really quick, okay? Let Epic Will protect your family just like they protect the Daily Wire. It's so super simple. You just secure your future in as little as five minutes with a complete will package starting at 119 bucks. When you use promo code Knowles, you save 10%. Epicwill.com, the most important five minutes you will spend today. Elizabeth Warren, I'm angry but determined to protect Roe. Yes, I'm angry, she says. I'm angry at the justices. I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry. Then here's the money line. The minute Roe is officially gone, more than half the states in the country are poised to outlaw abortion or severely limit abortion access. If abortion is outlawed, the impact won't fall equally on everyone. Wealthy women will still get safe legal abortions by flying to another state or even traveling to another country. But the world will be very different for those who have the least power, low-income women, uh, women of color, victims of incest and abuse, moms already working two jobs to support their children. This far-right extremist Supreme Court doesn't care if Americans suffer. They are hell-bent on imposing their views on all of us. Did you catch the problem there? Did you get, catch the problem with her argument? She said that the minute Roe is officially gone, more than half the states in this country will outlaw abortion or severely restrict it. And therefore, this constitutes the extremist Supreme Court imposing its views on all of us. All of us, the majority of whom support outlawing abortion. By the way, what the court is doing is not outlawing abortion, as she explains. The court is merely admitting that there's no constitutional right to an abortion and returning the question to the states. And she says more than half of the states are going to get rid of abortion or almost get rid of abortion. So it sounds like the court is not imposing its views on us. It sounds like, if anything, our views on restricting abortion go much further than anything the court might believe. Actually, ironically, it sounds like what the, what the court imposing its views on us occurred in 1973 when the court created out of thin air a fake constitutional right to an abortion when the majority of Americans oppose that right. How do I know the majority of Americans oppose that right? Liz Warren just told me because she said more than half the states are going to get rid of it. 
It was the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade, and then again in Planned Parenthood v. Casey, that imposed its views on us. And now it is the Supreme Court, we hope, in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, that is going to stop imposing its views. Frankly, I wish that this court would impose more views. I think there is a very strong argument that the 14th Amendment prohibits abortion nationwide in the Constitution. Uh, John Finnis and Robbie George, conservative legal scholars, made a very compelling argument for that in a brief that they gave to the court with, with uh, this case, the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health case. But regardless, that's, that doesn't seem to be the opinion that we're going to get from the court, according to the leaked draft. What we're going to get is the court saying, hey, we're going to stop imposing our views on you. And you people can decide whatever view you want about abortion. If California wants it, fine. If New York wants it, fine. And if Tennessee doesn't want it, that's fine too. And Elizabeth Warren is extremely frustrated because she wants to impose her views on the majority of Americans who oppose her view. It's ama- I said this on the show yesterday. This was the theme of the show yesterday. I said, whatever the left accuses us of, they are doing. They are the ones who are doing it. And, and here we have it yet again. Another, another bit of proof. She, she goes, I won't go through this whole stupid op-ed, but I love this line. She goes, for me, this isn't about politics. This is personal. This is a very, very stupid line because the entire mantra of the feminists during the 1970s, when Elizabeth Warren came of age, she is very much in the mold of the 1970s feminists. Their entire mantra was the personal is the political. Their entire mantra was there's no distinction between what is personal and what is political. And they had something of a point there in that in a self-government, the politics is broadly what we want it to be within the confines of the constitution. So yes, that's true. The the views that we hold, the way that we want to live, the laws that we want to enforce, our personal opinions about that become the political opinions in self-government. But it's not political. This This is personal. And she says, I have lived in a world where abortion was illegal. I learned early on that when the law bans all abortions, only safe and legal abortions will be banned. Oh, oh, did you? Cool. Oh, that's interesting. Now do guns. Now do guns, Elizabeth Warren. So you're telling me that in the world where you ban abortions, then uh, you're only, you're just going to get illegal abortions. So what about the world where you ban guns? You're just going to get illegal guns, right? So why do you keep supporting gun control? It's a, a very, very silly argument that she's making here. Because I'll go, I'll go with the left for a little bit. I think if you banned guns in America, let's say there were no second amendment, and you just banned guns in America, and you went door to door and confiscated guns, kind of like they did in Australia, I, I do think that gun crime and gun deaths would, would plummet. I think that's probably true. Crime itself might jump, and you might just have people stabbing you and all sorts of other things. But, but I, if you went door to door and actually collected all the guns, and if that were even possible, uh, yeah, I do think, I think gun, gun violence would, would diminish greatly. But we have a second amendment and we have a second amendment, not just because the framers of the constitution were lunatics, but because they, they inherited that right from the English and they inherited that right because people have a natural right to self-defense. So they didn't just pluck it out of thin air. It wasn't through their own unfettered reason. It came from tradition. It came from the political community that they were already in. And it came from the natural law. We have a right to defend ourselves. So that's why we tolerate, there's more, there's more gun violence, but it's because of all of these rights and because of these political traditions and because it's the right thing to do. There is no similar right to abortion. There is no longstanding civil right to abortion in American history. There is no natural right to kill your own babies. It's actually extremely unnatural. 
And yet Elizabeth Warren uses this argument for abortion. She doesn't use it for guns. It's very silly. She says, I lived in a world in which women bled to death from back alley abortions a world in which infections complicated women's futures, on and on and on. Uh, the last point I want to make on this is Elizabeth Warren did not live in that world. She did not. She is being extremely dishonest here. She is parroting the same old line that the abortion movement has parroted for 50 years, more than 50 years, which is that before Roe versus Wade, in the years right before it, thousands of women were dying every year from back alley abortions. That's not true. That's, that's just not true. We know how many women died from back alley abortions the year before Roe versus Wade. 39. Not 39,000, not 3,900, 39. We have these statistics from the government. We have these statistics from uh, pro-abortion organizations. Do you know how many women died that year from legal abortions? 24. So th this is actually even another knock on Elizabeth Warren's stupid argument. She's saying that the illegal abortions were so much more dangerous than the legal abortions. They weren't. When you consider the number of states where abortion was legal and illegal, the rate of death between, for legal and illegal abortions was roughly the same. The illegal abortions were not substantially more dangerous than the legal ones. And that was 50 years ago, and still it was 39 women and 24 women. That's, those are the numbers that we're talking about here. Okay. Just a total lie. Where did the thousands of women number come from? It came from Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was an abortionist, who was one of the leaders of the Abortion Rights League, NARAL. And he admitted in his memoir, he just made it up. He just made it up. And she's making it up too. And she's really, really angry. And she's shrieking and she's screaming and she's crying. And the libs are attacking pro-lifers all around the country and going and scaring the Supreme Court justices and scaring their little kids at their homes because they know they don't have a single argument. They don't have one, not one single argument. I mean, I went on this little thought experiment yesterday because I, I, the pro-lifers are winning right now, but the pro-lifers are, are, we're stuck in the debate. I think we're winning politically. I think people have come over to our side, but in terms of the actual debate, you're sitting there having an abortion debate. I, I think we, a lot of times people just spin their wheels. And it's because the debate focuses entirely on rights. Okay, it just rights, rights, rights. The rights of the baby to live, the right of the mother to have bodily autonomy, and you just debate all of the different rights. And some of the most famous arguments for abortion involve these crazy thought experiments about rights. One of, one of the most famous arguments is that you wake up one day and you find out you're plugged into a dialysis machine with the world's greatest violinist. And you were kidnapped in the middle of the night. It was determined that your kidneys are the only kidneys that can help this violinist survive. And so you were plugged into a machine with the violinist. And uh, if you unplug yourself, the violinist is going to die. And, uh, but if you leave yourself plugged into the violinist for nine months, then uh, the violinist will get to live. Do you have an obligation to stay plugged in for nine months? Or do you have the right to remove the, the machine? This is considered one of the, the great, most probably most popular arguments for abortion. It's a very silly argument, and it's a, a very stupid argument. But it did get me thinking about a different, how can we, how can we shake ourselves out of this, this debate on abortion where it's just about rights, 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 because the libs love to talk about rights. My politics does not begin from the perspective of rights. I don't think that we're born as free-floating atoms in outer space who just have rights and entitlement. I think that we are born First, with obligations, with duties, with loyalties, responsibilities to our families, to our community, and to our God. So I have a different experiment. Let's say you wake up one day, you open your door, and on the doorstep, there is 
a dirty, filthy, rotten bum. I'll get to this experiment in just one second. First though, starting this Friday, you can send in voice mailbags. Yes, that's right. Send a voice memo to my mailbag. We will play it on the show. Get your voice heard on the Michael Knowles show. Uh, send those in. We're, we're very excited to hear from you. Also, if there's one thing that you know about me, it's this. I never turned down an opportunity to kick back, smoke a cigar, and talk politics with my friends. That's right. You should not turn down such an incredible opportunity either. Uh, that is right. It is time for another Backstage Live, June 29th, at the historic Ryman Auditorium in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. This is your chance to get in on all the smoke-filled fun and festivities. Join me, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, and the Daily Wire God King Jeremy Boring for our biggest live event of the year. Tickets go on sale Thursday, May 12th at 10 a.m. Central for Daily Wire all-access members only. 12 hours later, they go on sale for the general public. If you are not an all-access member, do not miss out. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and become an all-access member today. Daily Wire, Backstage Live, Ryman Auditorium, Nashville, June 29th. See you there. We'll be right back with a lot more. Imagine for a second that you open your door one day and there sitting on your doorstep is a dirty, filthy, rotten, disgusting bum. And this dirty, filthy, rotten, disgusting bum is really, really thirsty. He's dying of thirst. His lips are chapped. He's, you can tell he's, she's on the brink of death. You have water in your house. Maybe bottled water, maybe just a tap, maybe just a spigot on the side of your house. Do you have an obligation to give that filthy, dirty, rotten, disgusting bum some water? I think you do. Let's take it even a little bit further. You've got this filthy, dirty, rotten, disgusting bum. He's out there and he is dying of exposure. It's not just that he's cold. It's not just that he's, you know, would like to sit by your fire. He is on the brink of death and you're living in the country and there's no one around. You're not, you're not living in a high rise in the city. You're living in the country. There's no one around for miles. Even if you call the police, even if you call an ambulance or something, they are not going to get there in time to save this guy from dying of exposure. Do you have an obligation to take him into your home for just a little bit, just a few hours, just until someone else can get there to save his life? I think you do. Now, it's your water. It's your shelter. It's your home. You could say, these are my things. This is my water. This is my house. It's mine to give or withhold as I please. And I choose. It's my right to withhold it. You could do that and you could let the bum die, but I strongly suspect that you would have the sneaking suspicion that there's something wrong with that, that you, you actually, I don't know, it's just wrong. Don't you? That's the suspicion that I would have. Now imagine that we're not talking about your doorstep, but we're talking about your womb. Now imagine we're not talking about a filthy, dirt and dirty, rotten, disgusting bum, but a little baby. Okay. The, the, Analogy actually is not precise because abortion does not just involve withholding something like nutrients from the baby. It actually involves going in and poisoning the baby and then dismembering him in the body. So it's, but let's just, for the sake of the abortion supporters argument, let's just pretend for, for a moment that abortion is more like eviction than like murder. Okay. Let's just pretend. Do you have an obligation to provide shelter for that baby if the baby's there? Uh, and it's a life or death question. Do you have an obligation to provide sustenance for that baby, for your baby? You could say, look, it's my body, my body, my choice. 
You could say, hey, look, it's my nutrients, mine to withhold or give. But I think we all suspect that there's something kind of wrong with that. Now, if the dirty, filthy, rotten, disgusting bum who you don't know from Adam has some legitimate claim on the water in your house, has some legitimate claim on you, has some legitimate claim on you saving him or you, you in some way offering of yourself to save him. If the dirty, rotten, gross, disgusting bum who's probably lived a completely dissolute life has that claim, certainly we should be able to say that your, your own baby has at least as much claim. This scenario really bothered some people when I floated it yesterday on social media. And it bothered some people because it's coming at the abortion issue from a completely different standpoint than we are used to coming at it from. It's, it's actually coming at politics from a completely different standpoint than we are used to coming at it from. Not just that the left is used to coming at it from, but the right too. Because we're all stuck in this liberal rut of talking about rights. Rights, 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 rights in the abstract, floating in free space with these crazy hypotheticals about violinists being attached to us in a hospital bed. But I'm not talking about a wild, crazy out of, out of the ordinary hypothetical. I'm talking to you about something that really could happen. You actually could have a derelict show up to your door. I'm not saying it's likely, but it could happen. And you might be living in the country and there might not be help. Any, and you, might, you actually could be called upon to do this. And you would know, despite not having reasoned through it and thought about it in some long philosophical tract, you would just know instinctively that you should give the bum water and that you should maybe even take him in for a couple hours until he can get some help. You just know that. You know that deep down. And as much as you try to reason yourself out of it and convince yourself that that's not true, you know that it is true, okay? All the more so it is true about abortion. And I think, frankly, even beyond the abortion question, a lot of our political problems and divisions would be greatly improved if we would just stop for a second thinking of the entire world and ourselves and our community as these ideological abstractions. And if we stopped thinking about politics entirely about what we're entitled to and what we have the right to do, start thinking about what is my obligation? What is my duty? We used to understand this. Conservatives certainly understood this. Even Democrats, JFK, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Help out, lend a helping hand. It's not the idea that the moral order imposes certain obligations on us, and we don't just have the right to do whatever the hell we please at any given time. That's, that's not how we think anymore. Now we just think about me, 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 and, and, and it leads people to absurd places. There is a, a leftist right now who just attacked another pro-life women's group. Uh, this happened at 10 p.m. on Saturday night. This leftist attacked uh, the Concerned Women for America, uh, and he did that by co- showing up to their headquarters to their office, screaming, yelling, flipping them off, and then urinating on their building, exposing himself and urinating on their building. Uh, The head of the CWA says, attacks on our employees and our building will not deter concerned women for America from standing up for women and for babies. We will not be bullied. We will not back down. And we will never, ever stop fighting to protect human life. If you are a grown man, there's video footage of this, by the way. If you are a grown man who shows up, and urinates on a women's organization's building and screams and yells and shrieks. Something has probably gone wrong in the way you're thinking about things. If you are an adult and you march to a residential neighborhood to scare a judge's children because you don't like a ruling that the judge may hand down, something 
has, has gone wrong with the way you're thinking about politics. If you think that the most sacred right that you have as an American is to kill a little baby, no matter all the different, re- something has gone wrong with your way of thinking, okay? There was a wonderful response to some of the left-wing protests in Sam Alito's neighborhood. So you've got all these crazy leftists chanting, change the ruling, you know, trying to influence this judge's opinion. And one of Sam Alito's neighbors, instead of going out and yelling and shrieking at the protesters, he decided to just sit at his piano and play a hymn. You can hear them screaming and shrieking and going up and down the residential neighborhood. And then you just hear this man. You don't even see him. Just hear him inside his home. I guess he's got the window open playing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Who do you want to be? <laughs> who do you want? Who do you think has the better grasp on reality? The crazy shrieking people with all sorts of colorful hair and angry clothing and shrieking and yelling and crying on the street. Or the man sitting at his piano playing a nice hymn of gratitude, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's obviously the man. We should all be this guy. This is the way to do it. He is standing firm. He's not fleeing his house. He's not getting out of town. He's not running away to some hotel. He's standing firm. He's not throwing Sam Alito, his neighbor, under the bus. No, he's, he's just, he's there. But he is serene. Okay, he is, he is willing to take it. He's not afraid of the mob. He's, not, he's just going to play. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus because it is. He and the, the protesters have very, very different worldviews. His view, which is Christianity, used to be the public view of the United States until very, very recently. I know sometimes people say, we are not a Christian nation, but that's not true. <laughs> we are obviously a Christian nation. The people who founded the country were almost all Christians. Uh, the uh, public ceremonies, the public orations, the ethos, the, the founding documents, they all speak to a Christian worldview. What the protesters believe in is secular liberalism, leftism. That's their religion. It's private and it's public, and they want the public religion of the United States to be secular leftism. There's a town in Brazil. Travel with me for a second down to South America. There's a small town in Southern Brazil that just constructed a gigantic statue of Jesus. A statue that is even larger than the famous Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio. This town is Encantado. It's a town of 23,000 people in Brazil. And they just unveiled this statue, statue Christ the Protector, on April 22nd. It was funded by a local volunteer organization. They spent, obviously, a lot of money to build this statue. I love it. This really matters. Why does this matter? This matters even if you're not a Christian. Okay, this matters if you are just a normal, sane person who doesn't like the way the left has turned this country. Because what this statue represents is public Christianity. There is going to be public belief. There is going to be public ritual, okay? I think, I think we all get that now. A lot of cultural conservatives have been saying this for 50 years, and usually just until we're blue in the face and, and it doesn't go anywhere, but people are beginning to see that. With the, we, we have public rituals all the time. We have pride parades. Now it's like pride quarter of the year. It used to be pride day, then pride week, then pride month. Now it's like pride three months. 
We have drag queen story hour as a kind of public ritual. We have public saints that we venerate, like St. George Floyd and others. We have this kind of public, we have the, the maxims and the dogmas of the public religion, like tolerance and diversity and equity and inclusion, right? We have all of this stuff. Which religion do you think has given us the better country? Public leftism, public liberalism, or public Christianity? Obviously public Christianity. You would want to live in the country that has public Christianity, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Protestant, whether you're a Catholic, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're an agnostic, atheist, normal person who doesn't want to trans the kids and burn the country down every six months. If you are any of those things, you will prefer the country with public Christianity. So let's do it, okay? Let's, let's drop the charade. Let's stop pretending that there is some neutrality, that this was the the last 50 years, there was this experiment that the left proposed and the right bought it hook, line, and sinker that somehow the country is going to be completely neutral and not take a position on anything. That's why we've got to kick the Bible out of schools in the mid-20th century. That's why we've got to kick prayer out of schools, prayer out of the public square. That, that wasn't true from the beginning of this country. We had, we had all of those things from the beginning of this country until very, very recently. And coincidentally, when we lost all that stuff and when we exalted liberalism, everything went to hell in a handbasket. So maybe it's time to turn around. If it's not even for your personal belief, do it for the good of your political society. Now, there is, beyond the cultural issues, there is a lot going on here that is uh, just structurally messed up. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about the, the cultural institutions or the social institutions or the schools. I'm talking about the, the underlying economy. We opened up the show talking about Janet Yellen saying how uh, we, we, need, we need more abortion so that we can make more money. The economy is relying on abortion. There's obviously a big connection between the social issues and the economy, but people are not feeling very good about the economy right now. Inflation fears are near record highs, record highs. Americans' inflation fears are at a near record high in April. Uh, consumers are expecting the price of everyday goods to stay elevated in the coming years. According to a key uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York survey, published on Monday. So, you know, on this show, we've got a wonderful sponsor, Birch Gold. And uh, we, we have the sponsor because conservatives tend to like some of these hard assets to diversify their portfolios. So anyway, I called up a friend of ours over at Birch Gold to give us his sense of what this means for the economy. I don't need to tell you that everything is getting much more expensive and inflation is hitting record highs and we're having all sorts of terrible economic problems. So now the Fed is scrambling to hike rates so that they can try to get this inflation monster under control. And I really don't know how this is going to work. But fortunately, we are joined right now by someone who does know because, because uh, Philip Patrick is a birch gold precious metals specialist. You know how much I love birch gold. They're great supporters of the show. And so I figured, look, I don't know a damn thing about this topic. So I'm just going to ask, uh, ask someone who actually does. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. It's an honor. So Philip, when the Fed announces last week, they're going to hike interest rates by half a percentage point. Was that, was that an announcement that you were expecting? Yeah, I, look, the, the 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 Fed under Powell is probably the most predictable Fed we we've seen in many many years, and they've been telegraphing this half a percent hate, uh, rate hike for for quite a while. In fact, the Treasury market had already priced it in, um, and they didn't disappoint. Of course, we've known for a while that they're coming because inflation has now become 
a political priority for the Fed. They're trying to address it. And in fact, in that speech, Powell said that rates need to now go up expeditiously in order to get inflation under control. So we've got more rate hikes in front of us between now and the end of the year. I think they're predicting the federal funds rate at 3% by the end of the year. So as you'd expect, on the back of news like that, the markets are already starting to suffer. I'm, I am glad that I locked in my mortgage before this happened, but it's still not going to protect me from all the economic craziness that's going on at the grocery store, at the gas pump, everywhere else. So how, how do you think this, this is going to play out in the market? Well, first of all, I think it was good news locking in your mortgage because rates are now at 13-year highs. So that was a smart move. Uh, Look, it's already starting to unwind this sort of Fed-sponsored everything bubble. We're starting to see unwind. The markets have been hit badly this year. S&P down 16% for the year so far. NASDAQ, worst start to the year since the previous financial crisis in 2008. And even bonds aren't showing a reprieve. The broad bond market is down 10% uh, for, for, for the year to date. Uh, the Wall Street Journal said it was the worst bond market since 1842, for a little bit of context. Um, yeah, 10-year um, Treasury now, close to 3%, which again doesn't bode well for the markets. Usually the markets perform a lot better with Treasury yields under 3 So as I said, I think this bubble is starting to unwind. It looks like the party's over. I'm almost, and I, I say almost because it's hard for me to feel sorry for Powell, but I'm almost starting to feel sorry for him because you know he's got a very difficult challenge. It's like he's trying to land a plane here without an engine is it theoretically possible absolutely but there's a lot of extraneous circumstances making it difficult for him we have an executive branch that is spending money like it's going out of fashion Uh, we've got central banks selling off dollars now to 25 year lows there's a lot of ways to crash this plane and only one way to, to to land it safely so i think we've got some tough times ahead unfortunately well that that is an apt image because what what the fed wants is to to get a soft land and, and uh, mm-hmm. soft landing, meaning they avoid some terrible recession or all sorts of economic problems. So what do you think the likelihood is of that? I think it's slim. Even in, in perfect conditions, that this soft landing, and I could call it the proverbial soft landing because I don't think from this circumstance it's ever been achieved before. Um, look, our best chance, I think, is synergy, right? We need cooperation, we need synergy, and an executive branch and a Fed that are working together. But it doesn't seem like we've got that. We've got an administration, like I mentioned, trying to push through massive spending packages. And what's concerning is they're not even being truthful, right? They were telling the American people, look, this is anti-inflationary, it's going to lower debt. And, you know, even if they were working hand in hand, like I said, it's going to be difficult. But look, to break it down, we need to get debt, we need to get spending under control, which again, not really happening with Biden. We need to rebuild faith in the US dollar as a a meaningful global reserve again. But again, the policies there concerning, we're weaponizing our dollar, we're forcing Russia and China now to look for alternatives, which they're doing with with priority. And we need to get inflation under control. And that I think is going to be hard for, 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 uh, for the Fed too. Look, They need to raise rates aggressively to do it, right? But 
they're so concerned about crashing the markets, they're being so sort of stepping it up. But here's the big problem. Even if they were to get aggressive, even if Powell was to turn into Paul Volcker, I'm not sure we can, right? Mm. Volcker had rates at 15% the last time inflation was today's level. We can't do that today. We've got $30 trillion of national debt. Right. So if we were to raise rates too high, you know, debt service payments would be not feasible. So the chances of a soft landing here, I think it's going to be very tough. So I think people need to try and look at how they can weather the storm. Well, that's such an important point with the debt, because the, the only reason that we can afford all this debt and we keep taking all of that is because we're not really paying a whole lot of money to service it. Exactly. But the minute those rates go that high, then we're in big trouble. So, okay, so you're saying we need to get spending under control, not going to happen. We need to get debt under control, not going to happen. We need, we need to get good fiscal policy, that's definitely not going to happen. So, so then I suspect, I know your answer to this, I suspect your answer is the same answer that I would have. What can we do? Look, uh, I, th I think you do know the answer, but look, I, I think the key is to understand the issues, which is why shows like this are so important. You keep people informed. And I think once you understand the issues, then the solutions start to present themselves. Uh, there was an interesting quote from the, the president of the National Bank of, of Poland, and he summarized why they're buying gold. He said, gold is not directly linked to any nation's economy and can withstand global unrest in financial markets. And we're seeing it being used. Russia, after we sort of took them off swift, we destroyed their currency. They pegged their current, they, they pegged oil to gold prices and, of course, stabilized the currency. Um, so we can use it in the same way. Look at the nature of our issues. We have currency devaluation. We have inflation. We have bubbles in the stock market. As negative as these things are for people holding stocks and bonds, they're very positive drivers for safe haven assets like gold and silver. Inflation drives them up. Market corrections drive, tend to drive them up. So they're conducive for the climate that we're in. So I think for individuals, it's just a case of hedging some of your exposure so that if we do see broad corrections in the market, we see inflation eroding buying power, at least there's a portion of your portfolio that can grow in that climate and mitigate. So it's just about diversification and making sure people are hedged. And as long as you are, you can weather this storm. Right. I, I joked, actually, when Birch Gold first came on the show a long, long time ago, I said, now I know that I've made it as a conservative broadcaster <laughs> because Birch Gold has been a really you know great supporter of uh, conservative shows and of this show. Yeah. But there's a reason. It kind of makes sense. There's a reason why conservative generally really like to diversify our portfolios with gold, with silver. And it's because of all the things that you've just stated. So if you, if you want to uh, get a free info kit, no obligation whatsoever, text Knowles right now to 989898. Something tells me probably some people now are kicking themselves and wish that they texted to get that info kit a few weeks ago or a few months ago, but it's, uh, it's not too late. Just text it right now to uh, Knowles to 989898. Philip, Thank you so much for coming on and helping to uh, clarify this. Uh, and thank you for supporting the show. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. As Andrew Claven likes to quote Ernest Hemingway as pointing out, things happen gradually, then suddenly. And big economic problems can happen gradually, and then suddenly, then all at once. That, that's what we're seeing happen right now. Probably the craziest story of the day, we don't have time to really get into it, is that there is a baby formula shortage going on right now. Not just a minor baby formula shortage, like a really, really big one. Like a 40% of all baby formula products nationwide are currently out of stock, according to data that were reported by CNN. 
a lot, libs are blaming this on a recall of products from one plant by this one group, Abbott Nutrition. Regardless, this is a huge problem. Some people are saying, well, just have the mothers breastfeed. Not all mothers can breastfeed. Not all babies will latch. And sometimes the supply is not enough. This is an actual acute food problem. This is a, a starvation problem right now for the v- most vulnerable people among us because of what? It's not just because this one plant went down. It's because of the horrible economic turmoil that our politicians foisted on us by shutting down the whole damn world for a cough for two years and by disrupting the supply chain, which disproportionately hurts industries such as baby formula. This is a big, big economic problem that's going to have massive cultural effects. And the libs are calling it a conspiracy theory and they don't want to talk about it. They said, when people were, were reporting on this a couple of weeks ago, they said, no, no, fake news, completely ignore it, nothing to see here. Now we're seeing the real effects. Well, what's going to happen down the road. Time to prepare ourselves, time to be serene but firm and, and uh, fight back because, because uh, things could get, things could be changing gradually and then suddenly. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Joe Biden comes up with an odd label to attack his political opposition. Ultra mega! Plus, the White House encourages protesters to break the law by descending on the homes of Supreme Court justices and the Treasury Secretary is now very much in favor of abortion to help the economy, you know. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 